welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Evan Knight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And today on the show, we are talking about fixed price contracts. Oh, a developer's perspective. Now, we have talked a lot on the show about what developers are thinking in terms of the price of building materials going up and fixed price contracts. Well, today we are very pleased to be joined by our special guest, Ed Crothall from Orange Homes. And Orange Homes are, of course, home developers. So we are excited today because we are going to hear it straight from the horse's mouth. (laughs) Drum roll, please. Hello. I'm Mr. Red. You're, you're just such a, you're a baby just, boomer. I'm, I'm <laughs> hey, turning I'm off your... I'm a millennial. You I'm, know that. I'm going to turn off your mic if you keep making stupid jokes. Now, Ed, welcome along to the show. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Yeah, well, look, that is true, and I'd like to weigh in on the baby boomer thing. I only ever get Mr. Ed talking horse feedback from baby boomers. So. Yes, and also people who are very intelligent. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> now, come on, Ed. We hear a lot about developers saying the cost of building materials are going up quite substantially. And what I want to know from your perspective are what are some examples of particular products that have increased in price and how much are they going up by? Yeah, look, great question. I pulled some stats before coming in. So Jib in the last 12 months gone up by 15%. Foundations, which make up a huge portion of a build, they've gone up by 17%. This is in the last 12 months. Bricklang, that's a biggie. That's gone up by 20%. Cedar Ooh. is going through the roof. Cedar, you can only get a price that the, the suppliers will hold for about a month. It's gone up about 25% year on year. Are you finding people are just replacing that product and with something else? Absolutely. So particularly when we've got an opportunity to before plans go into council, both from a cost point of view and from a supply availability point of view, switching out some things like we can like Cedar to more affordable products is definitely being done at the moment. When you get the prices going up, what sort of comms are you getting from the suppliers? Oh, look, communications typically are pretty straightforward. They'll just send out an email and say, hey, look, from X date, the price is going to be going up from what it was to now what it is. If you've got a signed contract, they'll still honour that? If we have a quote, our suppliers will try and hold that price for as long as they can. How long is that? How long is that normally? Yeah, look, I'd say most of them would try and hold it for about six months. Okay, that's pretty reasonable. Yeah, depending on what it is, of course. And that's true for kitchens, for example. So say, for example, Ed and I are building a house together and we've signed a contract with you guys. You will have placed the order with the supplier so there'd be no chance for me that that's going up in price. Not quite true. So unlike a typical kind of sale and purchase agreement or turnkey style home, what we do is a more of a hands-on master build type contract. So there's a bit of a time lapse between when we sign a building agreement and when we can actually start construction on that project. Is that because of council? Um, yeah, council makes up a huge portion of that, but also working drawings. You know, we need 22, 23 odd pages of technical drawings that have to be submitted. How so long does that take? Look, in normal times, only about a month to put together, but these days it's getting to sort of two, three month mark. So say you're two, three months and then you're three months in council? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Right. So you're six months before you start. So mm. by the time you've met that six months, you could have had a price increase quite easily. Yeah. And that has been what we've been seeing the last sort of nine to 12 months. Okay. Now, just to be clear, for new listeners, of the show, the sorts of contracts we're talking about are build contracts as opposed to a more turnkey solution, just purchasing a property off a developer that they've got for sale. So this is for people who are building their own homes, right? Yeah, typically, and 
that would make up about 98% of what we Orange Homes deal with would be someone moving into their own home. And we do a wee bit of investor stuff, but yes, that's right. It is the client settling on their own section and then forming a build contract with us using staged payments. And as the major drive for these price increases, supply chain issues and then council holdups? Yeah, it's definitely a perfect storm between those two things. Like I've covered off some of those items that have gone up before. It's to do with shipping mainly. So it used to cost about three and a half thousand US dollars to land a container here. Now in post-COVID times, that's gone up to like 11,000 US dollars. Is that just because there's a monopoly on shipping? Look, I'm not a shipping expert, so I couldn't couldn't really tell you. But uh, Ed, you talk a lot of ship, do you know? <laughs> no good? <laughs> There is a second part to that question that I could probably answer. Yeah, go for it. So look, big part of it as well is also labour. Bricklayers are a great example. They're in such hot demand at the moment. We are seeing a, a huge pressure on certain components of the build that are very labour dependent. Well, that's quite interesting. I would have thought that there would have been more competition for the products themselves. So from what you've said so far, you're suggesting that it's actually not necessarily the demand for the products, the jib or the cedar itself, but the things surrounding it, like the shipping and the labour. I would have thought that with house prices around the world going up by about 20% over the last year, because of course it's not just New Zealand where houses are increasing in value astronomically, it's happening right across the world. I would have thought that would have created a construction boom, not just here, but everywhere that is increasing the demand for those specific products. Is that not necessarily what you're seeing as well? Yeah, oh, look, definitely you can't help but ignore the fact that this is a part of a global problem, right? We're not any different than anywhere else in the world. Australia's going through a huge boom at the moment. But it's not as if our suppliers are going to turn around and, and say to us, well, just because everyone wants what we've got, we're now going to increase our margins by double or whatever. They're still going to honour the relationship that we have with them and supply us what they can at agreed prices. It's just the delay in getting that stuff that we need to us and then the other kind of aforementioned reasons why those prices are going up. So it seems to me then the reason that higher building costs are needing to be passed on to home buyers, even when they've signed what they think might be a fixed price contract, is that delay of six months between how long your quotes are lasting when you're putting together that price and then actually being able to go out and purchase those? Is it that those quotes are lapsing and that's where people who are building homes are being faced with those cost increases? Yeah, look, that's completely right, really. And six months would be a best case scenario. We're signing oh. pl plenty of building contracts at the moment that don't get title for their section for another 12 months. So people are still signing building contracts knowing that the price is going to go up over a much longer period of time. Do you have a rule of thumb that you're telling people to budget for? Yeah, look, I would say anywhere between 2 to 5%. 2 to 5 is not big. It's not actually that bad. Those figures that I read out before, they are- They're the extremes. They're the extremes, yeah. But most things, when you look at, there's, there are hundreds of components that go into a build. Most things haven't gone up. So a bank will normally factor in 10%. So yeah. that's way too conservative even now, right? Yeah, exactly. And I've heard that banks are increasing the amount that they're stress testing in of terms so. of- uh, build, build contracts at the moment. So under a master build contract, you don't actually have to provide evidence of these cost increases. Well, that's our understanding anyway. Are you choosing to give evidence or is that something you just notify your clients and they have to trust you? No, look, we definitely are providing that evidence if and when clients will ask that from us. Someone once said to me that any kind of contract, whether it's in property or, or anything, is 50% what's on the page and 50% good faith. And that's so true when you're building a home. So we try as best as we can to maintain a good relationship with clients because building a home is a real journey. It's not as simple as just selling a vacuum cleaner or, or something. <laughs> they say, great, great analogy. They say that divorce and building a house, two most stressful things. 
we like to try and take most of that stress out of yeah. the picture and, and do most of the heavy lifting for people. So it's not actually as stressful as people maybe perceive it to be. So Ed, let's come back to when Andrew and I are building this house together sure. for our future soon children. To be, soon to be divorce. <laughs> Let me ask you this. So let's say the price of jib keeps on going up and you've got to break it to us that, hey, we quoted you X amount and now it's going to be 5% above X amount. How oh. do you break the news to us? I want to understand, how does a developer actually break that news? You just give us a call and that's what it is? Well, look, it's a great question. And to be honest, I've had a few sleepless nights and sweaty palms anticipating these kinds of calls at the beginning. But fortunately... Ed's got the same thing thinking about us living together. <laughs> fortunately, because this has been a thing for a while now, we would have had that conversation at the beginning. Hey, look, yes. this is the build contract. Please budget for a sort of a, a 2 to 5% cost increase in that time. Earlier on, when this was all kicking off, that was the real tricky part because no one really knew. We didn't expect it, No right? one knew. No one knew. So they were the tough conversations. But uh, I'd like to think, fortunately, I've had most of those now. And, and everyone, when I call them to let them know what their new price is going to be, is go, oh, yeah, oh, is that all? It's funny you mentioned that. I've been handling a lot of the price escalations that we've had to manage. And everyone, bar a few that I've spoken to, said, oh, we're kind of expecting that and have been pretty impressed with the low level of escalation given what they've seen in the media. What sort of escalation are you seeing, Andrew? 25 to 50 grand, probably on average. I um, that as a percentage, just compare uh, what Ed's talking about. Well, see, it's uh, it's hard. So in the Christchurch, I saw one developer put up their project $50,000, which was about 10% of the whole project, which, remember, the land isn't a component that's going up. On the other hand, Auckland has had $25,000 increases, and that's a small percentage of the build. So I think there's a little bit of people failing to price jobs correctly and then taking advantage of the market and just putting that price escalation in there. It's good to hear that those price increases aren't... They're manageable. Yes, because, the, well, I mean, they're never going to be great, but as long as there's still something in it for the investor, especially sure. if they took the punt before the market started rising and now have done very well, you wouldn't want a developer to put up and try and capture that whole increase in so the value of the property. investors have made between double and uh, quadruple that in terms of what they're paying for the escalation. So far. And actually, that's a great question. So what proportion of investors are able to accept these cost increases and how many are uh, saying, hey, we can't afford that, we've got to pull the pin? I would say most people, because the increases are kind of in that 2 to 5% band, are able to, to pay for it. We haven't had one yet that has decided to pull the pin. We're flexible, though. So if you want to pull back the spec a little bit to yes. try and pay for some of that cost increase, we'll totally go with the flow. We want to make it work. You so know? that's a benefit over design build rather than a turnkey. You can actually make those adjustments, whereas a turnkey, that's what it is. It is what it is. You yeah. either need to accept that or, or walk away from the deal. And again, so long as your money's protected, you're not losing anything other than opportunity. Now, let me ask you this as well. So the Commerce Commission is investigating competition, or I should say the lack of, in the building industry right now. And there appears to be an assumption that because there are only five main suppliers, your, your Bunnings and your Placemakers and your Mitre 10s, that they are putting up prices to, and I'm doing air quotes here, too much. Now, what I want to know is, <laughs> do you agree with that assumption that the cause of increases in residential building materials is down to a lack of competition. And I think I know the answer to this, but do you agree with that assumption or are they just a scapegoat? 
It's a really great question. I think when we think about competition, you've got to think, okay, where is the competition? There is plenty of competition at the group housing level. Probably too much. I mean, I'd, I'm going to say that, aren't I? Yeah, there is from that point. But what about from a supply standpoint? Yeah, and, and that's right. I mean, you look at some components James of the Harvey. building. Well, Jib is made locally. So, oh, right. Yeah. Jib is a product that is, they have sewn up the wall lining market. Over 95% of, Holy of, moly. of products are made by Jib. So there's one that you could definitely point to and say, yeah, not a lot of competition happening there. Let's Which go is, start it, Andrew. Well, see, the dumb thing is, if no one else has entered that market, why is that that company's fault? Well, no, the issue is, is that if they are using their market position in an overly dominant way to keep others out. So for instance, let's say we wanted to start a jib competitor, we'll call yes. it Jibe, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and so we're trying to set it up, tactful, uh, yeah. you know, we're trying to set up our manufacturing and then jib, if this would be illegal if they dropped their prices in yes. order to well, stop us from making profit and then shut down our company and then they put those prices back that's up. That's called predative pricing though, Yeah, right? predatory. Predatory pricing. Yes, yeah, so that would that would be an example of where one company is using their market right. dominance in is order to lessen competition. Is they've done that? Well, I guess that's what Well, that's what out. they're going to find out. Okay. But, all right. So, all right. Thanks. Well, I think that. part of the problem as well is that in order to get any of these products approved, you have to get brands approval. So there's yes. a huge process you have to do in order to even get at the table and start competing. That's a bit of a, just a problem of the industry, I guess. And so what do you think the key takeaways for anyone looking to build next year? What advice can you give people? Look, you can definitely still build. Builds are still happening. Don't get the impression that you can't build. It's too hard. Talk to the professionals expect for price increases and build a relationship with a builder that you can trust. Because as I said before, it's 50% what you agree in writing and 50% relationships. So yeah. can't emphasise that enough. I definitely agree with that. Uh, definitely as well, budgeting and those 25 to 5% increases well, yeah, potentially more. You've got to do the 10%, right, with the bank. So Yeah, but uh, you've also got to just make sure that if the bank's going to test that, that you're also mentally prepared for that. Yes, Because yes. there's a difference. Like, the bank might test your lending at 6... They test 8% interest rate. Yeah, yeah, but then you've got to be mentally prepared for that okay. and and on principle and interest, of course. You talking about being mentally prepared for anything is <laughs> ironic to me. Ah, let's wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the Property Academy podcast. Really does help us get the best chat to more people. And hey, if you are considering your next step in property in 2022, then check out our Next Steps video course, because that will help you figure out whether we could potentially be a part of it. I'll drop a link to that in the show notes or just go to nextstepsproperty.com. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Emma Knight. And I'm Andrew Nicole. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, texts and insights to help you get the most out of the new property markets. Until next time.